0: Welcome to the podcast. In this podcast episode, I talk with Rain Mahdi about the benefits of nearshoring and key steps to take for organizational leaders. Rain Mahdi, welcome to the conversation today. Thanks, man. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from San Diego area of California. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about nearshoring, the benefits of nearshoring and key steps that organizational leaders should be taking if they want to pursue this as an option. This is a really interesting topic to me. Uh, One, admittedly, I don't know uh, quite as much about as some of the topics I typically uh, explore with guests uh, on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the t- time out of your busy schedule to meet with me, have this conversation, share your insights. And I think it'll be eye opening uh, to everyone today. As we get started, I wanted to share Rain's bio with everybody. Rain Mahdi is a lifelong entrepreneur from San Diego with deep experience in sales, business development, and product sourcing. He's currently focused on building zipfox.com, the world's first global B2B product sourcing platform, and establishing new global norms for trade and hiring. Super interesting. Rain, anything else you would like to highlight by way of your background or personal context before we dive on it? Uh, no, let's get into the story. I think it'll all come out in the story, but that's a great intro. I appreciate it. Okay, cool. Well, why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about ZipFox uh, and what you're trying to accomplish there, and then we can start to unpack this idea of new shoring.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, really the story goes back to Um, I started as a buyer. And I always think about that with our platform. So like you said, we're a B2B product sourcing marketplace for people who don't really know what that is. Most people know what Alibaba is. I hate to make that comparison, but it's the easiest way to get people up to speed. If you know what Alibaba is, then we basically do a similar thing. We're a network Mm -hmm. of suppliers where you can come, you can search for your product, you can work directly with suppliers. The main difference is Everything happens on our platform versus on Alibaba. A lot of times it ends up on email. We offer reliable payment protection and most of our suppliers are in Mexico or somewhere else in Latin America, whereas on Alibaba, almost everybody is in China. So those are the two big differences. And I started off as a buyer. My last company was a packaging company. Um, We bought a bunch of packaging in China and we would sell Mm -hmm. it to companies and pet food companies in the U.S., And, um, you know, a few things happened along the way that made me realize that there were some inadequacies with the sourcing platforms and that we also needed more options outside of China. I got scammed by an Alibaba supplier, which was a big kind of impactful moment for me. It happened early on in the business. It cost me a bunch of money that we didn't have. And I just really felt like, you know, I didn't like the way that it all unfolded and how there was nobody there that could help me. The banks, Alibaba, I had no support. And it just felt like this was really sketchy and bad. And Then there was the trade war that started, U.S.-China trade war. And all of a sudden, everything that I was importing from China, I had to pay 25% extra, um, you know, the tariff on. And, And at that time, a lot of people started looking for alternatives to China because everybody wanted to avoid the tariff. I thought about my own small business. Importing packaging, which isn't a very expensive product uh, by nature of volume, you know, you know, maybe you're paying five cents, ten cents a unit. I thought about the people who were importing furniture and clothing and electronics and these huge, expensive, multi-million-dollar shipments that they're paying twenty-five percent extra tariffs on. And I just thought that's insane. I don't know how they absorb that. Um, so I started looking for options outside of China. And the first thing I did was I went back to Alibaba, which is where I used to find my suppliers too. And you start looking for other countries and you quickly realize that, wait, I thought I had access into a global marketplace, but this is a China marketplace. Anything I try to find outside of that, all roads lead to China. That's why I say that ZipFox is the first global marketplace. Most people probably think it's Alibaba, but if you really think about it, they're a China marketplace. So I start thinking about, well, you know, what else can I do to find suppliers outside of China? So I start Googling and I'm looking for suppliers first in India and Vietnam, you know, things that are kind of Mm -hmm. more along the lines of what I'm used to. I source things from Asia because it's cheap. I think most people take that same thought track Mm. and I start looking for things there and it's very uncharted territory. I'm finding websites and Facebook pages and trying to call and email people. It's just very not put together. And so I start thinking more outside the box. I kind of back up and go, okay, that doesn't feel right. What else is there out there? And that's when I stumbled across the idea of Mexico. And I had had a customer in my packaging uh, company who um, they found a supplier in Mexico before and they had actually told us, hey, we're gonna stop buying from you because we found this supplier in Mexico. And I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty smart. You can get your stuff faster. That's a good idea. So I said, maybe I can find... A supplier in Mexico to make our product that we can sell. And so that way we can deliver to our customers faster. So I started getting excited about the idea of sourcing from Mexico. Mm -hmm. So I start looking and I think to myself, well, Mexico being right next door, even though we're not doing it, it's got to be done. There's got to be an Alibaba from Mexico already. Let me just find that. I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm searching. I don't find anything. So I start Googling, okay, packaging factories in Mexico, packaging suppliers, and it takes me down the same path. Forgive me if I'm being too long-winded here. No, no, this is great. Okay. So it takes me down the same path that I went down when I'm looking for factories in India and Vietnam Mm -hmm. and everything. It's the same thing, some web, you know, a couple websites, which manufacturers typically aren't very good at putting together websites, some shoddy mm-hmm. looking websites. some Facebook pages, you know, trying to make some mm-hmm. phone calls, secretaries answering in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish still. I don't speak Spanish. And um, and, and it just it just wasn't there. So I took a step another step back. Now I'm stepping all the way back and I'm taking a bird's eye view at this and I'm going, OK, wait a minute. The sourcing platforms out there are sketchy. They don't have the options that we need. Mexico seems like a really good option. And there's tons of manufacturing there. The more I learn about it, but how come we don't have access to these factories? I'm looking at data and research reports, and I'm realizing that people who do want to source from Mexico or anywhere else, the biggest hurdle they have is a lack of sourcing platforms or you know a way to find these factories. And I thought this can be done better. You shouldn't be unsure of who you're dealing with. It shouldn't be that easy to scam you. You should know that the factories you're working with really are who they say they are, that they're either really a manufacturer or a trading company. It should be more clear who you're dealing with. You should have payment protection that you can trust. And you should be able to find options outside of China. Um, And particularly, Mexico seems like a really great option. There's tons of manufacturing there. It's literally Mm -hmm. right there. For me being in San Diego, it's literally right there. You can't go further south in the United States. If I drive half an hour south, an hour south, I'm in Mexico. We used to go as a kid all the time, you know, go on vacation. So it's, it it just didn't make sense to me that it was so inaccessible. And so that's, that's kind of where we started. And, and, And as we started putting the ideas together, the first line that came to mind for me is build the platform. I still have it here. Create the platform you wish you had. It's the original writing of that on my whiteboard is still right there next to my desk. It's been there. And that has been my kind of guiding light along the way is like, create what I wish I had. What would have saved me from being ripped off and scammed? What do I wish? How do I wish the you know order process worked on the platform? How do I wish payment protection was? What options do I wish I had there? How would I have liked to search? So it really has helped me building this platform from the perspective of being a buyer first versus just saying, hey, there should be, you know, factory, a place where you can source from Mexico. Let's just build that. So yeah, I guess in a nutshell, that's it. And from there we just built and built. Um, and then when I got to a point where I said, okay, we're ready to at least do a soft launch and release this thing into the world. I sold my packaging company so that I could focus all of my attention and energy on this. And, uh, we've been off and running ever since.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really cool. And this notion of, of near shoring, uh, you know, contrasting that with offshoring, right? right. Um, I love the idea and you're right. I think a lot of people, they immediately their minds jump to Southeast Asia for right. cheap labor for these markets, et cetera. Um, but why not? I mean, there, there are so many other uh, potential markets and, uh, and producers and suppliers uh, much closer to where we're at here in, in the continental United States, for sure. Um, to maybe talk us through a little bit more, the benefits you've seen of near shoring as you've been creating Zip box.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first thing I'll touch on is, I guess, the cost since you brought it up. When you think about, you know, Southeast, and when you think about where you can get cheap goods in the world, your mind first points to China, a slash Southeast Asia, as you said, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. true, you can definitely find some of the cheapest goods there. However, you have to look at costs in in their entirety, everything that you build into a cost, your delivery time, your cost of delivery, the tariffs or taxes, import taxes, and risk if you want to count that, but we can call that separate for now and just think about hard costs. The cost of labor, a lot of people don't know this, is actually cheaper in Mexico than it is in China. China's labor cost has been climbing as their middle class is growing, as more money has been coming in, as they've been building up their economy. And that's one of the reasons why you'll find these days a lot of Chinese manufacturers and factories and uh, companies trying to move and set up a satellite location in Mexico because they also want to capitalize on the cheaper labor that you can find in Mexico. And this trend in nearshoring, they don't want to get left behind. And so a lot of people are saying, hey, that's where it's going next. We need to be there. So one of the benefits is the cheaper labor cost. One of the huge benefits that you'll find is the uh, delivery time, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've got you've got lead time and delivery time, and a lot of people don't know the difference there unless they work in, you know, sourcing or they source products. So lead time is how long it takes the factory to make the product and so it's ready to ship. And then delivery time is the time from when the factory has finished the product until it actually ships right. to your door, right? So you got lead time, delivery time. Lead times may be similar in Mexico and in China. Maybe it takes 25 days to make X product, whatever that is. From there, though, is where you see the big, big difference. So to ship from China to the U.S., if you're shipping to the West Coast, like right on the coast, L.A., San Diego, you're looking at about four weeks, a week in customs, two weeks in, you know, on the water, and then another week in customs and delivery. So about four weeks could be longer. just depends on what's going on. If there's port congestion, could be whatever. You never know. But typically four weeks, if you're going to the Midwest or the East Coast, it could be more like seven weeks down in Georgia, Florida it takes longer because they go all the way around and come down so or take train, you know, maybe has to like come on land and then take the train. So for seven weeks, shipping from almost anywhere in Mexico to anywhere in the US, it's like five to 10 days. So you're talking about 5 to 10 days versus basically, like I say sometimes, 5 to 10 days versus 5 to 10 weeks. So you're saving a month plus on delivery time. Now, that means a lot. I I can take from my packaging company that I had where so many times we had clients that would pay for rush shipments, air freight, basically. Uh They needed their product sooner. And they might pay thousands, thousands. I've seen people pay $10,000 for an air freight shipment. That's so much money. And it adds to your landed cost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people pay more for air shipping than they paid for the product itself. Um, and so for a lot of people, time is more important than money. If you're in an industry, like think about clothing. Let's say there's a trend that something funny has happened and you're making a t-shirt. Just an easy example. If it takes you a month and a half to get that, you may completely miss the trend by the time the goods land, right? Versus if you can get it in five days, not only might you capture that trend, but you might actually be able to do a second run and a third run into that trend before it dies. So that's really important. The other cool thing about having a fast lead or fast delivery time is there's less of a strain on your cash flow. That's one of the hidden Mm. benefits that a lot of people don't really realize when they take it for face value. Sure, I get my product faster. I can deliver faster. That's great. But think about the strain on cash flow when you have money tied up. You've paid for something in China. Now you're waiting five to seven weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is, for it to show up before you can then turn those goods back into cash and then go through another sales cycle. But if you can do that a month and a half faster, then... You're freeing up your cash. You can go through more sales cycles in a year, which just allows you to grow even quicker. So there's all these benefits. You can also order in smaller quantities. You don't have to order these huge quantities because you know that your delivery cycle is three months from China. If you can get it in a month from Mexico, right. you don't have to warehouse as much. You don't have to buy as much at once. So there's all these huge benefits that are linked to that faster delivery time, aside from just you know the convenience of it or being to deliver it to your customer faster. So all those. Things. And then you've got the expertise in manufacturing. You know, Mexico, even by myself, honestly, has been overlooked for such a long time. Mm. Um, they've been one of our largest suppliers. They've been our second largest supplier for a long time. Now they are officially our largest trading partner and becoming our largest supplier as well, um, as more and more is shifting away from China into Mexico. So um, they are our largest trading partner because trade goes both ways. Uh, With China, we buy from them, they buy almost nothing from us. But with Mexico, we buy from them and they buy from us. And in fact, uh, 40% of the components that go into products made in Mexico are made in the US. So when you're sourcing from Mexico, you're actually also helping the US economy, you're creating jobs in the US. So there's all these benefits. Um, And then the big one, obviously, for a lot of people is the geopolitical risk. You never know mm-hmm. what the next dot plot is in this timeline between U.S. And, and, and China, that relationship, where things are going. We're already in a trade war. There are still people paying 25 percent tariffs every day, silently suffering from that. And they've just kind of stopped having a voice. It's not a headline anymore, uh, but it's still happening. And if there's any escalation of the tension between U.S. and China. What's the next thing that's going to happen? It's going to be an economical war before they would ever consider going to an actual, you know, physical boots on the ground war, because that Mm -hmm. would be really terrible. Um, So the first strike is always going to be, well, 25% tariffs, now 50% or sanctions. So you have to worry about this disruption in the supply chain, or you have to worry about um, just an increase in your costs in that way. You have almost no risk of that happening with Mexico because we have a free trade agreement and we're right next door. Uh, and so you're not going to, you know, you're going to do everything you can to avoid having tension with somebody who's right next door to you. So we have this great free trade agreement between the US, Mexico and Canada, the USMCA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so you don't have to pay for, t- you know, you don't have tariffs, you don't have duties on most products. Um, so there's all the, there's all those things. I'm probably even forgetting some, but there's so many benefits that I figured out about sourcing from Mexico in comparison to China.
0: Yeah, and, and whether we're talking about nearshoring or offshoring, you know from a human capital perspective um that's that's a tool that's a strategy that's been used for a long time right and and as there as we gained access in a globalized interconnected globalized world to cheaper labor in other parts of the world it became more and more common to do more and more offshoring um and obviously there's there's pros and cons to it um and there's certainly trade-offs. Um, and and as we already mentioned, you know, a lot of that has focused traditionally in Southeast Asia, China initially, Vietnam, you know, some of these other places. Let's talk a little bit more about the human capital component of having, you know, of sourcing from a neighbor like uh Mexico or other countries in South America that are geographically closer. Um, like you said, we we geopolitically it's easier, um, safer. Um, it's, uh, you know, the, the potential for supply chain disruptions is lower. Uh, just think back to the pandemic and, and all the supply chain disruptions that happened during that time, it wasn't a, uh, you know, a war, but it it certainly caused a lot of disruption. And so, you know, as we think about those components, in addition to labor shortages that we have in the U S um, you know, we don't have enough skilled people doing the jobs that need to be done. Um, you know, maybe other thoughts on like leveraging the, the labor markets and the human capital of our neighbors as a strategy for us-based businesses, um, who may have traditionally thought about just, you know, sending things off to China or Southeast Asia.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the big benefits that people speak about, uh, with China is, Mm, just the massive labor force that they have just true. I mean, it's, it's unparalleled. Um, and one of the things that people actually comment on in, in Mexico is the shortage of labor as all these new companies are coming in, setting up factories, Chinese companies, U S companies, companies around the world, setting up their operations in Mexico and tapping the the remaining talent. They already have kind of low unemployment there now. Um yeah. But there's a lot of skilled labor there. At the moment, it's not a bottleneck. I think what we're trying to do is see into the future that it could become a bottleneck at some point, but it's not right now. Uh, More and more people are becoming skilled as new factories, new companies are coming in and training up unskilled laborers into skilled laborers. So I think there will be this kind of uh, shift in like the labor pool is there. However, where is that labor focus now in other Mm -hmm. areas, maybe service and things like that, because it's been mostly a tourism kind of uh, economy. So I think you're going to find a lot of people coming out of the tourism industry, out of the service industry in Mexico and going into the manufacturing industry because there's going to be bigger and better opportunity there. And so that's where I think you're going to find it. The labor is already skilled. You've had huge companies like Toyota, GM, Ford and Sony and all these people down there training up their workers and operating there for a long, long time. The big multinationals have known about the power and the benefit of Mexico, and they've been basically down there producing things with low cost labor and shipping them back To the US for 30 years. Um, So it's really the rest of the world just kind of catching up and getting up to speed on that. Um, But on that note, I guess I would say that like we have focused on Mexico, on Central and South America as our first stop in building ZipFox because we see the most immediate benefit to US businesses, you know, being able to capitalize on USMCA, all the, you know, all the manufacturing that already exists there. But There is Mexico, I'm sorry, Mexico, there's manufacturing around the world, right? Um, And that's why we call ourselves a global marketplace, because Mm -hmm. if we just set up with Mexico, then we'd be no different than Alibaba, we would just be, you know, we really see the big opportunity long-term in bringing all manufacturing around the world online, from Asia, from Europe. You've got you know Swiss and German manufacturing that's unparalleled in their precision. And you've got all these things around the world that exist, this capacity that exists. Even in Africa, you've got manufacturers in Egypt and in South Africa and all these places. Um, And just like there's a proximity benefit of Mexico to US, you've got a proximity benefit Mm -hmm. of places to other places like Egypt is very close to Europe. And so for them, is Mexico going to be a great benefit in terms of proximity? No, absolutely not. Right. So the same thing, you can't have the same solution for every problem. So what we really see is um, in terms of just kind of the human capital is the global human capital. If we can create these types of you know uh, uh, synergies between countries, um, if we can create accessibilities, if we can allow manufacturers all around the world to be able to tap into the global market and buyers around the world to be able to tap into the manufacturing that exists everywhere, that's where the real value lies. Um and and that's the thing that I'm most excited about. Again, thinking about this through the eyes of a buyer, if I mm-hmm. was to search for you know whatever I'm looking for, let's say you know hooded sweatshirt that I'm wearing, if I was to search for that on ZipFox and be able to then filter by what matters the most to me if it's cost maybe we show you factories in a certain area if it's delivery time maybe we show you factories in a different area mm-hmm. maybe it's some sort of you know uh, social or environmental impact and then we show you certain manufacturers that have that you know that capability um and so that that's where i think the real power lies it's to me very funny that in 2023 after how many years of the internet somebody's finally putting together a global marketplace you would have almost thought that like that's the first thing you would do. Hey, we have access to everybody in the world. Let's sell things to each other. You would think that's like the first thing you would do. So it, to me is a little bit strange that here I am and my team building this thing for the first time that there is no global marketplace out there, but that's really what we're doing. And so when I think about human capital, it reminds me again that like, look, the solution isn't now let's pour everything into Mexico and then have all our eggs in one basket. Again, let's mm-hmm. really kind of diversify. Mm-hmm. Let's connect the entire world. And, um, and then you don't have a human capital or capacity problem ever again.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. So I, I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go in just a minute, but maybe as we wrap things up, what what's maybe one of the first one or two steps that organizational leaders should do as they're starting to contemplate whether this is something they want to pursue?
1: Yeah, I think just like anything else, taking the first step is the most important thing, right? So come on ZipFox and I'm not just like, you know, talking my own book here, but there's nowhere else to go. So come on ZipFox and search for your product. Start getting quotes start talking to some suppliers. And the best thing for me, I always think, is to have the advantage of time. Don't wait until you have to do it and Mm -hmm. then be forced to hurry up and make a decision. Do it while time is on your side. Start requesting samples. Start slowly establishing a relationship with somebody. Find the supplier that makes sense to you. Maybe place a small order. Be able to take your time so that if you decide to or have to shift more production to them at a later date, you've already got everything established. You've got quality control set up. You're not doing it in a pinch. Nobody wants to make a huge decision like that in a pinch. But if the headline comes out tomorrow, China just bombed Taiwan, we're raising the tariffs from 25 to 75%, all of a sudden, you're in this situation where you have to move everything immediately, and then you're like, oh, on ZipFox. And then this bottleneck issue that could be coming down the road with the capacity in Mexico starts to really become an issue because everybody's yeah. trying to lock down production time, and now you can't find a supplier. Or you don't have access to the really great supplier. You have to take what's left. So that's my advice is get started early.
0: Yeah, well said. Rain, this has just been a really fun conversation. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Rain and his team at ZipFox can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks,